Hello, friends. Thank you for listening to another Rod Tucker Says podcast. I am super excited that you're listening to this one specifically as I'm sitting in my office in the basement of our house and my children are running above my head. If you Impressing hear, my wife. If you hear any thumping, impressing one of my best friends in the whole world's wife, Brian Stone, is not your wife. Brian Stone is you. That's me. I am Brian Stone. My wife is Kathy, <laughs> and she's upstairs being impressed and entertained. And we just had cheese brats on the grill that I actually pulled off too soon. Oh, I didn't know that. And my wife, Anna, made me put them back on. Okay. So. And Xander and I made special sauce, and we experimented with our taste buds. Fantastic. And Xander is my son. But the thing is... Brian, you and I talk a lot about the word, and oftentimes, if I call you or you call me, we end up getting just sidetracked. You might be calling me to just ask, you know, how did my trip to wherever go, and we end up talking about something totally different, which has happened on multiple occasions, and this time, specifically, we were talking about John 4. I think I had preached on it a while back, so I think it's on one of my previous podcasts, mm-hmm. and you had a billion thoughts on it. I did. And yeah, the whole story is one of my favorite stories. So in John 4, if you're not familiar with John 4, uh, Jesus is on his way to Galilee, and uh, the, the scripture says that he had to go through Samaria. And I think a lot of times we think he had to go to Samaria because we think that's the road. But most Jews never went through Samaria between Jerusalem and Galilee. They went around Samaria Mm. uh, because it was the wrong part of town to be caught in. Uh, You didn't want to hang out with those people at all. And so that word had takes on more significance. Like he could have went around. He could have gone around. But he's Jesus, so he has to do something yeah. like like the spirit is moving him or something. Yeah. Well, I think he had to go because he had to go have this conversation with this woman who didn't fit in, right? So she's a he winds up at a well, right? He gets tired. They're mm-hmm. outside of the town. And, and he gets tired, so he sits down and sends the disciples to go buy some food. And he sits there, and along comes a woman in the middle of the day, all alone, because she's got a lot of shame in her life. And he sits there, and she approaches the well, and he addresses her, which is unheard of. And he says, hey, can you get me a cup of water? And so that began this whole conversation. I think that's why he had to go to Samaria, was to have the conversation with the woman at the well. And I don't want to come across this like super preachy, but if I was preaching this, depending on the church, I would just be like, how many times does God want you? (laughs) Does he need you? Do you have to go through something to go away that you normally wouldn't go so that you can have a conversation right. with someone you're supposed to have a conversation with. Oh, yeah, with. and sometimes, right, if we know we need to have a conversation with somebody, sometimes we, we leave wherever it is that we are, and we go immediately to do that. And sometimes if it's urgent, we'll drive through the night hmm. to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. And if you th- think about this for just a minute, all right, this is part of the thing that I think is kind of cool about it. 
is in John chapter 3, Jesus has um, his conversation with, what's his name? Nicodemus. Nicodemus. How did I forget I, well, Nicodemus' Well, my dog name? is running around upstairs barking, and so we get a little distracted. A little distracted. If you're listening and you hear my dog, that's Juno, and she loves you. Yes, she does. Yeah. And um, so anyway, he has this conversation with Nicodemus in chapter 3, where he says these words, famous words, that we often just take for granted. For God so loved the world. Mm-hmm which I think probably shattered Nicodemus's whole understanding of God, right? And then, that's, you know, John 3.16, 3.17, he says, you know, hey, not to condemn the world, hmm. right? Just that reminder that the Son does not come to condemn. Mm-hmm. And so I think John 4 is kind of a, uh, it rises up out of John chapter 3 where Jesus just said, Father sent the Son because he loves the whole world. And so then the next thing Jesus does is he goes specifically to the people the Jews hated the most. Hmm. Almost giving Nicodemus the practical application. And it, it makes me wonder what their conversation was late in the night. He's right. like, as a matter of fact, tomorrow... <laughs> I have an appointment. Do you want to come with? And so now Nicodemus, I wonder if he's faced with that. I liked what you were saying, but yeah. I have to put skin on it now? Like, I'm not sure I want to do that. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like, this is what's true. Now let me show you what it looks like. Yeah. And so he has this conversation with the woman at the well, right? And all this kind of stuff gets unfolded about her life. They have a kind of a theological conversation about, you know, what it means to be Jewish versus Samaritan and where are you supposed to worship and what is worship supposed to really look like and she makes a almost kind of profound statement about Jesus saying, you know, I know you're a man from God and then Jesus says, hey, go get your husband. Mm. I want to include him in this conversation. The moment where if you read this verse with Western eyes, right, you'll see Jesus calling her out, like we call each other out all the time. All the call time. each other out on Twitter. Call each other out on politics. Call each other out. Just it's like pointing the finger, self deflection. Look at them, not at me, calling each other out. Exactly. Jesus does this, and we might read it wrongly. Right. Yeah. And I don't think that's what what he's doing at all. Jesus is not calling her out. I think Jesus is setting her up to experience the full impact of his love. Hmm. That's good. And and so the woman felt safe enough to say, I don't have a husband. Hmm. And Jesus then says, you're right, you don't. In fact, you've had five husbands and the man you're with right now is not your husband. Yeah. And we look at that and we think, wow, am I allowed to use the word skank? Yeah. I mean, you have to get approval from the Rod Tucker Says Podcasting All Committee, right. but they did approve it. They approved it. Yeah. So we would look at that and we would think, she's kind of a skank. Yeah, for we, sure. We judge her and all of that. But in the reality, right, this woman had no rights in the culture that she lived in. Mm-hmm. Couldn't even marry. She couldn't marry. She couldn't choose who she married. She couldn't choose the divorce. Mm. Uh, her, she had a role, and that was to produce offspring. Mm. And so, you know, if we begin to really read into what might have happened in her life, uh, 
she got passed along from man to man who just used her and then sent her packing. Yeah. And so all of that shame that she carried caused her to go to the well all by herself in the heat of the day. And Jesus even follows it up with, and the man you're with now right. won't even take you as his property. Right. Shame. Yeah. We read it, right, in the Western world, in the United States, you're just shacking up. Shame on you. You're a bad person. Mm -hmm. But what Jesus is saying is, I'm really sorry. Hmm. The man you're with right now doesn't love you enough to make you his wife. Yeah. I've always heard the definition of guilt is the belief I've done something wrong and shame would be the belief I am the thing that is wrong. Right. And for someone to have that belief put on them to be spit at, to not be able to be at the place where everyone else goes for community to get water, to, to receive you know, life-giving sustenance, mm. it, the life-giving sustenance even of relationship. Right. And Jesus to approach her and in his own way say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I see all this about you and I know it. And yeah. I knew it before we were talking, but I see it and I'm sorry. Yeah, I think what she experienced in that moment, somebody who saw her for her mm -hmm. and loved her for her, which is... Which had never happened. No, she'd gone her whole life without anybody valuing her and loving her, yeah. uh, extolling her. And Jesus, having just had this conversation with Nicodemus, right? For God so loved the world, even the woman who had had five husbands and who was with a man who is not her husband. Not, mm. not even, but especially. Yeah. Right? And she is so overblown by this love, uh, by this experience of grace. Mm -hmm. uh, she then goes into the village where she's experienced nothing but shame because she's all alone, right? She's got no friends who are going with her to the well. These, these people hate her. Right. Hate might even be too much caring, oh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there, there, there's probably just this sense of apathy toward her. Yeah. Disgust. Yep. Um, and she goes back and she faces all of that because she has experienced real love and real grace. And the cool thing is this. She doesn't preach. Hmm. She doesn't even say, you need to believe in this guy. All she does is invite them to meet the person that she says told her everything she ever did in her life. Which I think is cool on two parts. One, scripture doesn't record everything that Jesus did. Right, I love the verse at the end of John 
right. if Scripture did record everything, his work, it would be more than to fill all the books in all the libraries. Right. Yeah. yeah. We, we don't have enough space for all of the books. Mm-hmm. And so I think the conversation between her and Jesus was so much more than what was recorded. We're given what we need in order to get what we need out of the passage. But she goes back and she says, let me tell you about a guy who told me everything I ever did in life. And, and she's excited about that. Mm-hmm. It means someone's been watching. Right. It means someone's been caring. Someone paid attention to her and cared about the details of her life. Mm-hmm. Cared about the hurt, the pain, the sorrow, the shame. And those times when there were places of joy and excitement. Mm-hmm. Somebody paid attention and cared. A lot of times when I've been out on different streets with different friends praying with people, praying for people, and one of us will pray for a person in a way that reveals things that we couldn't have known just because the Lord is showing us, the Spirit of God showing us something. Oftentimes people respond by saying that they're crying and they're right. receiving this love and this value and they'll say, why? Yeah. And it's like, because because God wants you to know that he was watching. Right. And he was with you and he was there. He was crying the tears mm. with you the whole time. Yeah. Jesus does this perfectly. Yeah. It's the model. It is the model. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, oh, this is going back several months. One of my customers talked about one of the things that his wife was going through. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I didn't, you know, I just filed it back. And the next week I said, so how did that go? And, you know, she had a doctor appointment. She's, she's a breast cancer survivor. Yeah. And he's like, you remembered? Hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I remembered. You were telling me that it was going to cost $3,000 a month for the medication they want her to be on. Mm. And he was like, I can't believe you paid attention to all that. And I think sometimes all we need to do to be a little bit more like Jesus is just pay attention. And it's that moment where an actual miracle, a shift in identity happens, where a person moves from someone who's ignored or an annoyance or talks too much or just isn't heard to someone who is valued and loved and they matter. Right. All because of our presence. Yeah. And our ability to have to go (laughs) into that conversation. Exactly. I love that. Yeah. And so I just love what happens in the whole village, right? So she goes in and tells the whole village, come and see this guy who's told me everything I ever did in my life. She doesn't even know his name. Yeah. Right? She doesn't say to anybody in the village, you need to repent. Mm-hmm. She doesn't even say, you guys were all wrong about how you've been treating me because there's somebody outside of the village at the well who's treating me better. Right. You know, she goes back with this incredible love and grace for a people who really have not loved her well, if at all. Mm-hmm. And she says, you got to meet this guy. Mm-hmm. you got to meet this guy. Yeah. And Jesus just spends time in the village. It's an incredible yeah. story. 
right? Jesus doesn't, it's not like Jonah going into Nineveh, where Jonah, you know, finally when he goes, marches into the center of the village and says, repent or you're going to die. And then he goes and parks himself on a hillside to watch God destroy the city. You know, Jesus doesn't even ask the, the village to repent. Yeah. He just hangs out with them. Yeah. And at the end of the, you know, the at the end of the day, what happens is this incredible conversion of belief because they have been with Jesus. And verse 41 says, and because of his words, many more became believers and I just think, yeah, him talking to them but also his words to her. Right. I find it so interesting that we think oftentimes our way in is through the leader. Yeah. Our way in is through the president. Our way in is through the CEO. Our way in is through the head. Right. And Jesus' way in time and time again to save entire cities and to love large people groups is through the whore. Hmm. It's through the boy with right. his own little packed lunch. It's through the leper at the gate, right? it's through the woman who everybody wants to kill. He finds his way in always going to the bottom of the pile. Yeah. Jesus had this knack for always going with the least likely, mm -hmm. right? You've got uh, Zacchaeus, Yeah. right? Jesus is just walking down the road, doing his thing, and then there's Zacchaeus up in the tree. Yeah. Right, because he wants to get a glimpse of this Jesus fella, and so then G another great story. We could have a great podcast talking about that. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Right. I mean, what happens to Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus then gives away, gives back, repays everything that he stole—houses, land, money—just gives, mm -hmm. gives it all and more back. Right. And nowhere in that story does Jesus ever tell Zacchaeus what he's been doing is wrong. Yeah. He just hangs out with Zacchaeus. Just being in the presence of God moved Zacchaeus to a different way of life. So if I may attempt to take this one step further, it's the question of ministry models church models and just personal philosophy yeah. on what I'm going to do to try to, quote, bring the kingdom. Yeah. It seems like we do it all backwards. <laughs> in hearing this story and in hearing your perspective, it just seems like we do it all backwards. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, we in the Christian faith, we, we have an understanding, a theological understanding of God, right? Where we say God is omnipresent, but we don't really believe that. We think it's our job to bring God or bring Jesus back into the school or back into the workplace, mm -hmm. or wherever it is that we feel like it's our job to bring Jesus. And defend him. And defend and him. And protect him. Yeah. It's like we want to protect him from the cross. Yeah. Right. And, but if, if God truly is omnipresent, we don't actually bring him anywhere. God's already there. Mm-hmm. 
before we show up, God is. Hmm. And so our role at all is not to bring God into a situation. Part of our role might simply be to invite people to pay attention to what God is already doing in that space. And so the word of the Lord, the gospel story would say, come meet the man who told me everything I ever did. And after that exchange, the people would say, as they do in verse 42, <laughs> we no longer believe just because of what you said. Right. And that's, we want people to believe because of what we said. M much of our sermons, much of our books, most of our YouTube videos around our faith, <laughs> it's about what we have to say. They said, we no longer believe because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Yeah, that's powerful. Introducing someone to Jesus is different than introducing someone to my idea about Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> introducing someone to Jesus is so different from telling somebody that they're a sinner and that they're going to go to hell unless they repent of their sins and ask Jesus into their heart. I know I'm gonna probably, yeah. there are gonna be listeners who struggle with this. Yeah, let us struggle. But I think we need to wrestle with what does it mean to be an evangelical today? And really ask the question, were people actually beginning to follow Jesus when we asked them to pray the sinner's prayer? Or were they really just trying to get their, you know, get out of hell free card, right? You know, your monopoly, get out of jail free card. I want to know what happens in the future and I want to feel safe about it. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that makes for a really hard conversation. Yeah. It's so much harder to introduce people to a God who loves them when the first thing we're doing is telling them what they're doing wrong and what's wrong with them. When we start with shame, mm -hmm. <laughs> when we start with shame, I don't think we can lead people to Jesus. Yeah. I think we lead people to hide. Which is a huge shift because the idea of let me prove to someone first that they're guilty <laughs> and then give them freedom so that they can be thankful. Yeah. You know, so you know what I'm talking about. Right. That's not introducing someone to Jesus. Introducing someone to Jesus is saying, come meet the man who told me everything I ever did and trust that man to do the rest. Right. Let me introduce you to someone who sees you. Ooh, yeah. And so bring this back around full circle. Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night <laughs> and the story ends with all of these Samaritan people believing he is the savior of the world. Right, it's so incredible. I wish if I got to write, you know, yeah. the gospel of John. Right. <laughs> right. Chapter 5 would begin with another conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. Mm -hmm. Because I so badly want to see what that conversation would be like. Yeah. But I think we don't get that because we have to wrestle these things through.
You know what I mean? That would be that would wrap it up too neatly, right? That would be a nice sixty-minute little uh, TV drama, or maybe a Hallmark movie. Um, so it, it's left unended because Jesus introduces Nicodemus and us to an aspect of who God is, and then just demonstrates it. Mm-hmm. And then it's left there for you and me to go. All right, so what does that mean about me? What does it mean about who, who I am? What does it mean about who God really is? Mm-hmm. What does that mean about my relationships with other people in this world? What does this mean about me, this message? What does this mean about the person who I have to learn to have to go through, <laughs> to have to go to, to have a conversation with? so that I can introduce them to the one who sees all and knows all. And what does this mean yeah. for the city where I, I'm going to put my feet? That, that place where I find myself in a space where no one will come in the heat of the day mm-hmm. except that one person. Yeah, it requires a lot of vulnerability with ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Am I willing to even go there and I have to be vulnerable with God and see God in those spaces that I'm actually afraid to even admit exist in my life mm-hmm. then I need to be really risky maybe be vulnerable with others mm-hmm. all right let me introduce you to this God who walked through this with me because if we can do that we will find ourselves in the place of Nicodemus who came to God, sneaking to him (laughs) in the cool of the night. Right. And was wrapped up and enveloped into a Jesus who would take him into the heat of the day. Yeah. To love another person. My dog is barking and saying amen. Yeah, I think Juno told us our time is up. (laughs) May you be a person, here's our benediction, who lets... Let's the Spirit of God move you from the cool of the hidden night to the heat of the day hmm. where you can meet a God who has seen everything about you and loves you recklessly. Yeah. And allows you in that process to love those hmm. around you. The same. Thanks for listening, Brian. Thank you for being on. Rod Tucker says. Thanks for being it. Letting me be in the Rod Tucker says studio. Love you guys. Go in peace.